Welcome to the Protectors Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Piccolo. Hi, I'm here with Lo. Lo, welcome to the Protectors Podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you. I am well. How are you? I'm really good. Hey, now this is a different one for us, audience. Now, Lo is currently on the job. She is a policewoman somewhere in the United States, and we're going to keep her name to Lo. But I really wanted to have her on because she's a great guest and she's just a great person. So, Lo, how are you? I am. I'm good. I'm. I'm doing well. I I got my voice back from Police Week. <laughs> yeah, Police Week was crazy. Uh, it was wild. I will, I will put out some links to Lo's social media, and you could kind of see what Police like Police Week was like for her. So, uh, <laughs> a little bit different for every individual. Yes. So let's go into it. Let's um, let's talk. How did you get into the police line of work? So I get that question all the time. Um, I never really wanted to be a cop when I was a kid. I wanted to be a veterinarian because I love animals. Um, but I started, I just landed um, a civilian job with the sheriff's department when I was 20 years old. And I got to kind of see, you know, all facets of law enforcement because the sheriff has the jail and the road and civil division courts and all that. Um, and I, so I got to see firsthand how the job was. Um, and I was like, wow, I, I think I want to do this. So I started taking tests and, um, a couple of years later, uh, got on the job when I was 24 and I've been on for nine years now. Nine years. That, that can seem like a lifetime in the, on the, the street, right? Oh, I'm ready to retire. <laughs> <laughs> 11 more years, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, New York State is, is pretty good, but they, it's 20 and out. So. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Now, and Now, everybody always asks, like, you know, the dangerous things and all that stuff, but just what are the funniest thing you've seen on the job? Oh my gosh. It's like almost every day. <laughs> I, mean, I know. It's like, well, tell me the 10 funniest things you've had on the show. I'm just kidding. Oh just one good, funny, <laughs> one good, funny story. Oh, geez. Um, let's see. Oh gosh. Um, I mean, I always have like people pee themselves. <laughs> That's always funny. Oh my gosh. I know that story. <laughs> Yeah, and then you have to put them in, in the back seat of your car, and then you have to wash it down. Oh. You're in all over your car, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, you just, you're dealing with people most of the time that, you know, have a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. Going on, so Definitely. There's constant humor in this job. That is for sure. Well, that's the other thing, too, is like, now you go from the civilian world to the police world, and now you have like a different set of sisters and brothers and it's like the hijinks start. Tell us about like what it's like for you. I mean, is it the camaraderie is like, it's unmatched. Yes, it really is because, um, you know, with your coworkers, it's like you're literally willing to put your life down for them and vice versa. So you just have that bond and you know, you have that trust with that person. And then it's like the more you go through together, 
the more you're like, okay, wow, you know, this person really stepped up and, um, you know, they're really there for me. So, um, it, it really is like a family and the way I feel about my coworkers, I don't like siblings where, you know, sometimes you go below the belt, but then you love hard, like siblings. Um, and it, it really is, it's like being in one big family. I mean, it's great. And that's one thing you could definitely tell during police week. This year is my first police week. And it's just, you could see, like, I could run up to anybody and be like, hey, where are you at? Where are you from? And it's just like instant bond. And you just, you could talk yeah. to anybody. Oh, yeah. It's it's so great. It's so great meeting people there just from all over. And then, you know, there's people that come as far as from, like, Australia, Brazil, Germany. I mean, I met people from Germany and Brazil this year at police week. It's crazy that they fly all that way. It's turning it's turning into the Oktoberfest of, of police and <laughs> the first responder community. Yeah, it it is, but there there really is nothing like it, and it's so crazy. A coworker of mine, I don't trade or collect patches, but a coworker of mine gave me a bunch of our department patches, and he said, you know, since you're down there, can you trade some? And so I said, sure. And um, I had no idea how serious people take it. They were like, oh my gosh, I want your patch. Can we trade patches? And I'm like. Okay, and you know they trade coins, they trade badges. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> that's one one note. For anybody going to Police Week is bring patches and coins. Yes, but the other part that was really cool about it too is, um, you know, all the little bars in DC, the little restaurants there. You know, you go there and you look at the bar, and they all have the police badges on the wall. So we went to lunch somewhere after we welcomed the unity tour in um, on the first day and they had all the badges up on the bar. And so I said to the waitress, I was like, I have one. Can you put it up there? And she's like, sure. And we watched her put it up there. And, you know, I took a picture, I sent it to my captain and like, we're just like, wow, that's so cool. You know, people from all over are going to come there and they're going to be able to see our patch. And I mean, it sounds stupid, but I mean, it's, it's but, it's, awesome. but that's, that's the thing. Cool. It's not stupid at all. Like, I went up to the Chicago police and uh, there was a group of them and you know, they're kind of like just closed off. I'm like, Hey, can I take a picture of your patch? Cause that's my new thing this year is I went around and I took pictures, as many pictures as possible of patches yeah. and they would just started handing out patches and they had like, they brought their own special uh, breast care, cancer awareness patches. Oh, that's and cool. They were so cool. And they're yeah. just like, hand, and I'm like, here I am just some strange dude r- rolling around by the Capitol and I'm like, here's, they're like, here's a patch. I'm like, just the best thing ever, you know? Yeah. But it's like those little things. That's the, that's what's great about the community. It really you is. Know? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. We just love going every year. And, just, and then that's the thing. You make new friends. You stay in touch through social media or whatever. And then you meet up again the next year. And then you have even more friends. So, it, you know, the more police weeks you go to, the more friends you have and the more people you have to meet up with. And the crazier it is, I didn't even get to meet up with all my friends this year. And I was there for four days, <laughs> you know, well, that's, too much. And that's the, the stigma that, you know, some, a very small percentage of the country thinks that the thin blue line is like this, like racist, crazy thing. But the, the thin blue line is actually like a brotherhood and sisterhood. Oh, it's 100%. like a bond. A hundred percent. And everyone of literally every race was there at Tent City and we were all bonding and race was never brought up, you know, and I don't know if you um, 
got to go to Kelly's bar for the midnight toast. It's always the night before the vigil. Um, so it was Sunday night, but, um, you know, you have like a thousand cops packed into this hot bar, but they do it because at midnight we do, you know, we do the toast for all the, you know, the officers that were fallen that year and they bring in, um, the bagpipes and everything. And, um, a cop that is the president of the FLP in Connecticut, he like DJs it. So he's in the DJ booth and he's got the microphone and he basically just, you know, he's very uncensored too. He went up there and just said, you know. Um, if people could see, you know, they want to say that we're racist, but if people could be in this room right now with a thousand of us and literally everyone that's here, all different races are here and every single one of us would lay our lives on the line for, for each other. We are the least racist people, you know, if people could only see, you know, right now, if they could see this, if they could see what goes on during police week, you know, they would, they would get it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because there's what last time I checked, there's 980 something thousand police, and there's like maybe one or two bad apples. But everybody, you know, here and there, you get the bad apples. But sure, overall, it's like the thin blue line is more like, hey, you know what? There's only 900 something thousand of us, right. and there's how many millions and millions of people that we have to protect and serve. Exactly, exactly. And that's like when I was in uniform um, in a military. It was the same way. I mean, race was never a factor with any of the units I was in. Right. It was like, cool, you're black, you're white, you're Hispanic. It doesn't matter to me. Well, right. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't even get brought up. Like, it's not even something you like really think about, you know, unless you choke around or whatever. But <laughs> The offhanded <laughs> jokes. Sure. Uh, <laughs> police week. Um, you know, I'm, I'm counting days for the next one because it's going to be a little bit different next year for uh for me in this situation, but yeah, I'm looking forward to actually hanging out with more LEOs and stuff and just getting more stories out there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the create, we talked about some of the, the funniest things, but at the end of the day, do you go home and do you leave the job at work or is it, do you get it tough to just de-stress? Um, I think I definitely leave the job at work, but, you know, you're asking, obviously every day is different, but there's some days where it's a little harder too, um, depending upon, you know, what calls you go on and stuff. But sometimes you just see stuff and it, you know, you go home and you might not think of it right when you get home, but before you go to bed, you get like flashbacks and, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's common, but it's, it's definitely hard to lead 100% of it at home. There, there's no way that a normal human being can see what we see on a consistent daily basis and just wipe the hard drive clean and go home and start a new day. It just doesn't work that way. You know, and I don't think people realize that either. No. And, and that's especially like for me, it's, it was always the kids. Anything had to, yeah. anything to do with kids would just, you know, to this day, I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, of course. And, it, and it's, it's strange too. Cause I feel like everybody has their thing that like freaks them out so and like this is so bizarre i got a call once um it was just a first aid assist this woman uh, i think she was drunk she fell off her bike and um it came out as a leg injury so i'm you know i'm sitting with her on the sidewalk waiting for the fire department to get there and i look down and i see that she has a compound fracture like her oh. yeah her bone in her arm was hanging out of her wrist oh my she gosh. Three bone. Now, at this point, I'm like, okay, she's conscious. She's talking. I don't think she knows 
that her that she had a compound fracture in her arm because it came out as a leg injury. Her leg was bleeding. So, of course, I just, like, grab a napkin out of the car and I cover her arm because I'm like, if she sneezes, she might pass out, she might freak out, whatever. And it's the strangest thing because, you know, I've been to fatal car accidents and, you know, I've seen way worse. But when I went to bed that night, I thought about it. I couldn't stop thinking about it for weeks. And it's like, you know, you wouldn't think something like a compound fracture would haunt you for weeks. But, it's, you know, and, and then I talked to other cops about it and they're like, no, I've had the same thing about, you know, something particular that wasn't even the most serious thing that I've ever seen. But you just can't get it out of your head. That took me like weeks to stop randomly thinking about it. I know it's, it, and it's not odd, but it's just everybody has their thing, you know. That's the absolute truth. Um, yeah. Wow. Let's transition to something. Well, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, because no, compound pra- fractures are just... I, uh, They're terrible. <laughs> Hold on. We're going to pause for a second. Because you're having the same thing I'm having right now. Yeah. My dogs are going nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Mine are going nuts, too. And all I do is... Like, I don't know what... I think the Amazon guys here or something like that. Go lay down. <laughs> Go. Welcome like, to the life of the podcasting all the time, <laughs> every time. So what do you do for fun? Well, I have two dogs that keep me very active. So every day I have to do something with them, whether it's go for walks, we'll go to the lake, I'll let them swim, we'll go to the park, whatnot. Um, and then when I'm not with them, I'm usually traveling. I go out of town a lot. Um, I just like to you know, see different places, explore different cities. Um, I haven't made my way too far out yet. I haven't left the U.S. so much, but um, that's what I enjoy doing. Yeah, dogs are a lifesaver, especially, you know, if you ever suffer any traumas or anything like that. It seems like they're, they become part of your life. Oh, yeah, they're like my kids. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, one thing I want to talk about, you're now a co-host of the... Hellbound with Halos. Yes. It, it's a podcast as well. Um, yeah. How did you get into podcasting? So, you know, the Hellbound with Halos, um, it was created by two firemen that live near me. And they got in touch with me and they asked me to um, be a guest. So I did a podcast with them. And then about two months later, they're like, hey, you know what? we had such a great podcast that you wanted to come back on again. Um, so I did. And then they contacted me and they're like, you know, would you be interested in being a co-host? We think that, you know, you, you'd be good at, you know, adding in and touching on different topics and stuff. And honestly, I mean, I thought it was a great opportunity. How many times you get offered to, you know, be a co-host of a podcast. So I, I said, absolutely, you know, sign me up for it. So um, and this is fairly recent. This is probably a few months ago, but I, I've recorded a couple podcasts so far and I really like it. And I'm, I'm finding that a lot of, a lot in the community are finding other outlets, you yeah. know, uh, just really good outlets. Get up to, and, and have a voice, Yeah. you know, for so long you internalize everything, but now you have a voice. Yes, absolutely. And that is really cool. Now, let me take a look here. What else are you up to? You're on the job. You're podcasting. Yeah. You got the pets. Is there any, like, yeah. anything you wanted to talk about? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. It's like a job interview. 
I know. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, like, I mean, I wish my life was more exciting, but that that's really, I work all the time. And then when I'm not working, I'm at home with the dogs. And then when I'm not doing those two things, I'm out of town. <laughs> and, and travel's another outlet, man. I see everybody's out on the road. And it's a yes, good thing. It is, you know, it's just, and that's the thing too. It's like, I, I feel like generations ago, you know, you graduate high school and then it's like, either you go to college or you settle down and have a family right away. And I feel like you got tied down earlier on in life or now people are getting married and they're having kids later in life. So they have that time and money to go travel. You know, you're not tied down with kids, but you have a career. So you have the money to be able to go and do what you want to do. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and that's the thing is I'm seeing a lot of people have families well later and they're like their mid to late thirties now, which is and that's yeah. not a problem at all. And there's no stigma about that anymore. No, there, no, there's definitely not. I mean, um, they say that honestly, that the, when you get married later on in life and you're already established and stuff like that, that the marriage usually lasts long term because, <laughs> you know, you both got, your, yeah. you're both established. You lived enough established. of your life. Established is a good word for it. <laughs> yeah. And you both lived enough life where, you know, you're like, okay, I got my partying phase out of the way. You're not curious as to what else is out there. You lived it. Exactly. So. Now I got something for you. Let's say I, you know, I just graduated high school. I've wanted to be a cop forever. Um, just graduated the academy and now I'm on the street. If you could go back, what would you tell yourself your first week on the street? I would tell myself to just slow down and relax. I think your first day on the street, you're so nervous because you no longer have your field training officer with you. So it's, you're a one man show and you kind of, you get scared, you, you know, um, like our department, we don't have partners. You're on your own. So when you're done with that field training, um, you're it, you know, you show up to those calls and you handle it on your own. And it, for your first week, I mean, it's, you're definitely, I would say intimidated, you know, you don't have the experience under your belt. So, and that's huge with police work too, is, you know, you need that experience. Otherwise things could not go well, <laughs> especially when you're dealing with people, you know? Yeah. Leave the know-it-all attitude at home. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not everything's in a book. <laughs> not, and that is honestly got the truth though. I mean, you know, they put it through a six month academy and yes, you learn a lot, but you know, one day on the road would be equivalent to six months in the academy. You know, you need that hands-on experience. You really do. I mean, you can look up penal law later. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, you need that. You need that experience. You need to be able to take control of the situation immediately. That that's your role as a police officer, as a first responder. Make a decision, right? Absolutely, and and in a lot of instances you have to make split second decisions and you know of course sometimes in those situations it, when they especially when they make the news we have the monday morning quarterback, mm -hmm. and especially people that are not in law enforcement and oh like, my gosh you know i don't go tell a carpenter how he should do his job like <laughs> you know <laughs> i don't know anything about it so um that's definitely a very aggravating part of the job well i am very excited to have you on. I think we're going to be doing a lot more in the future with everybody in the community. Yeah. Um, 
but is there anything you want to promote? Please, uh, we're definitely going to put out the links to the Hellbound with Halos. That's awesome. I checked it out today. Oh, I'm going to subscribe. I must great. subscribe. <laughs> definitely. That's, that's one thing about podcasting. Always have people subscribe. Subscribe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there is one thing I'd, I'd like to promote, and that is the Warrior Dog Foundation. And it was founded by a Navy SEAL named Mike Ritland. Oh, come on. I love Mike Ritland. Yes. Oh, Mike, Mike is going to be so happy. I, um, Mike is an awesome guy. And I just love that Warrior Dog Foundation, the concept of it, that, you know, he's taking older service dogs who've served the country in need homes. You know, he's, he's finding them homes. So. Okay, now that gives me an excuse. Hey, Mike, you got to come on a podcast. Yeah, I was on. I was on Mike's <laughs> podcast, and Mike is an absolute professional. One of the best podcasts out there. I just have to an be incredible yeah. host, incredible yeah. host. I can't um, his podcast. I listen to, you know, consistently. It's it's great. Yeah, uh, he 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 Oprahed me. He had me crying on a podcast. <laughs> come on. <laughs> or, or was it ESPN or one of those? I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, Mike, come on. <laughs> oh, he's awesome. Oh, but that's definitely great. Warrior Dog Foundation. Yeah. We'll link out to that. And yeah. we will, we'll put a, uh, if they have a donation, like we'll put that on the podcast as well. Okay, great. But thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And we will keep in contact and I will post all your social media. Thank you so much.